Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life to our relationships to our kids and our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She is an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. Well, do you have your little cone hat on? It's National Flex Day. <laughs> I thought you were making a cone heads reference. <laughs> for God knows when. Land shark. Oh. <laughs> yes, I am very, very. You're all dolled up. Mm-hmm. You're all dolled. It, totally. you, you guys will be surprised that we're not looking at each other. So let's just imagine what our festive wear for National Flex Day will be. Well, so National Flex Day is the only things my kids can tell you I've ever done. <laughs> Which is create a holiday, which is now do this math. It's the third Tuesday of National Work and Family Month, which is October, which is today. So I wanted it when I'm going to spend two seconds on history. History. 2013, Marissa Mayer was running Yahoo and Yahoo, the company that could not be turned around. It was eventually sold to Verizon and kind of chunked up. But she decided that they had a very generous, flexible work policy. She canned it. She's like, it's an all hands on deck moment. And this was not the first time I've seen it or any of us have seen it. It's an emergency. So we need to bring everyone back in the office. You know, you're out. And in fact, I remember at the time they didn't have enough office space for all these people coming back because they had built their workplace structures based on a lot of work from home people. And I got a lot of attention. I literally had companies calling me because I was running the Working Mother 100 Best, kind of like saying, oh, interesting what Marissa Mayer's up to. Huh, interesting. And so, you know, so I thought I wanted to do a focus on flexible work in a positive way. And so I got together with a bunch of different organizations like Families at Work and Flex Jobs, Sarah Sutton. I mean, you know, like companies that are doing it, organizations doing it. And we got together, we did National Flex Day. And it's this is the eighth year of it. And it's hashtag National Flex Day. And we encourage people to go out and kind of say, this is what flexible work we- means to me. Now, we do the backwards music back to the present. <laughs> cracking myself up <laughs> and uh we have something called the pandemic don't know if you're you're quite aware and now it went from not necessarily you know we were always fighting for the everyone a transparent work from home policy or flexible work because it comes in many shades it's not just everyone working from home it could be time shifting your schedule shifting job sharing there are other ways to do it but you know, it was always offered to people as they walked out the door. I'm about to quit. And they say, well, we could come up with this plan, which was not a comprehensive way of doing it. Well, now we have, according to Stanford economist Nicholas Bloom, 42% of us are working from home. And he says, without this historic switch to working from home, the lockdown could never have lasted. The economy would have collapsed, forcing us to return to work, reigniting infection rates. 
Working from home not only is economically essential, it's a critical weapon in our fight against COVID-19 and future pandemics. Oh my God, what a different National Flex Day. Oh yeah. And I want to say, and you know, I know we've just gone back and forth. (laughs) In history, right? You know, Jennifer really, for those of you who are not as tuned into the work family space uh, over the past decade and a half, as some of us are, she, this is really groundbreaking because people you know, it wasn't something that that was on the radars quite in the same way. I mean, from my perspective, I think I think this holiday really broke a lot of boundaries. But you know, I, I think I, I the only reason I was laughing when you described it is because the people who called from the companies suddenly had really high voices and sounded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at the thing. But, yeah. but they did. They really did. They really, it was like peppered into conversations. Like, interesting what Marissa Mayer is doing. And it's like, what? Right. right. You know, right. what? It was a time where, you know, we can certainly talk to our friend Callie Yost about this, but there's always been this question up until, you know, March. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of like, what? It's sort of this, I would say, remote work and flexibility were somewhat mystified. I definitely had been in conversations where it was sort of like, what is what is driving flexibility? Mm. Is it just working moms? What does it mean to create a flexible work plan? What does it mean to the business? What does it mean to the individual? What does it mean to the team? Right. And I think, you know, one of the tools that I know was used by a company called Work Family Directions was this kind of like audit of all of the work. Could it be done remotely? Could it not be done remotely? Where? Yes. And it, it, right. like a very detailed overview. And they're a fantastic company. So no criticism there. But I think in my mind, it didn't kind of like live and breathe in the way that it now does since March, right? We don't, right. we're not quite, it's not an anomaly. It's quite built in to what we're doing, right? Yeah. To what our life is like right now. And it's interesting around the time, so 2013, around the Yahoo piece, when everyone had to go back to their offices, there was some research that came out in the work family space around what is telework? How does it impact people positively and negatively, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I found really interesting, and one thing that we know about me is that I butcher people's names. So we're going to (laughs) link, we're going to, we're going to (laughs) link to this article about what telework looked like pre-pandemic. Yes. So what is interesting is they said, you know, when it was less the norm, to be working remotely. Right. right? That so lady when, does it. You know, it's yeah, a, a couple, there's a of, couple of us. People were doing pretty well. Their like task performance was good. They were engaged, right? But when it was more common and everyone was working remotely, it did have an impact on folks to really be less engaged and less kind of tied in or clued in to what what is going on at work. And I think mm-hmm. To me, that really makes sense in the sense that, you know, one of the things I think we've talked about in previous episodes is that part of what remote work does not do for us is it doesn't give us the context of, even if we're on Zoom, it doesn't give us the context of being able to read these mild social cues, these like minor, right? Right. Minor nuances of people's nonverbal behaviors. And it also, you know, despite the fact that the cats are coming through or the dogs or the kids are coming through this, like on Zoom screens, we still, you know, we are definitely showing in some ways a more transparent view of our lives, but we're also putting on 
somewhat of a mask, right? Like to, you know, you and I were talking about how I went on a Zoom call and before every Zoom call, like 20 minutes before I've got to put up my <laughs> makeup on. Your face, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a time where we're not really tied in to our company culture, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the way that we would be. Interesting, yeah. And we are also like, it's we're just, we're in a tricky spot where we feel this pressure to both seem authentic and transparent, but also watch what we do and say on and project it, you know, project our authenticity. Like, let me, let me work at projecting my authenticity and engagement here. Right. Yeah. 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 I tell you, what am I thinking about all the flexible work stuff? Because, you know, that was always my answer for everything is that it was never meant to be foisted on people. (laughs) It was not, you know, the goal wasn't to get to 42%. Of the, right. of the labor force working from home full time. That's always been something that I've talked about a lot is that this weird scenario we're in as flexible workers is exactly what people thought when they would say flexible work. They'd immediately say, oh, so you're never coming in the office and, you know, no one's there and it's terrible. It's awful. And it's like, well, no, no, no. It, it was meant to create a number of tools. So it was meant to be a tool that people could use, like an arsenal of tools that they could pick. That's why when I say like that flexible work in my mind is, geez, if I came in an hour earlier and left an hour earlier so I could make pickup, couldn't I make that work? Right. Couldn't I do the occasional work from home day? Could I do, like I often had when I was working in offices, Friday was my work from home day. And I organized my entire life around it. It was a set schedule, having small children. I needed it to be set. And then I'd sprinkle in the occasional day. Right. And and I get this pedantic about what flex can be because I think in this weird moment, we all leaped over all the other options and because we had to, to be all home all the time, literally recording a podcast in our PJs. What? No. Festive, post, festive PJs. Festive National Flex Day special PJs. Exactly. That I got at the Breadwinners merch store. Yeah. Link to it in our description. It's true. I have my Breadwinners t-shirt. Do you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But yes, but yes. My point being that post-pandemic, and I hope there is a post-pandemic, there will be, right? There will be a post-pandemic. I've had companies now say, we never thought we could do this. And, you know, I have had that conversation at least three separate times in the past two months where companies have said, yeah, we never thought we were a flexible work company. And and now look, we were forced to now. Okay. And like all this learning they had to do immediately. So now what comes post pandemic? Not everyone wants to work from home all the time, nor should they, you know, we all work better in certain ways. I guess I just, I want us to have workplaces that support ways of working that focus on the work we produce and not where we're sitting. One of the things that I think is still really puzzling to people, managers, or what I've heard is really puzzling to managers, is intellectually understand that it's about results and not FaceTime. Yes, yes. But But reality, day-to-day practice. Yeah, we're not entirely clear on how that's supposed to work. I definitely have had people asking me over the past few weeks, well, what are the unique metrics that a manager should be using to ensure that their employees are performing? And I said to them is, 
you know what? Like, unless we go person by person and team by team and function by function, I can't tell you what that is. Yeah, I know. I, I My face is already scrunching up and s- like, saying, uh, getting want, the work done. They want <laughs> like, that answer, right? So, but the question is, but so what I've said is it, it's not about, it's not about the metrics. It's about, can you have a conversation about transparent conversation about where, you know, what's having the most impact right now? Are you getting that done? Are you running into challenges? Like, do you need to have, you know, is your schedule going to be different? So, you know, you should be like, what should your response kind of time like or expected to be like? I mean, it's interesting. One of the questions I got so frequently at the beginning of this was like, I know I shouldn't be online after seven at night, but I have to because my kids are here. And, but like, I know I should tell my people to be offline. So I think, you know, one of the things that, that I've seen in a lot of, a lot of writings about this lately, but is also, you know, important for leaders to think about is we don't have to operate on these old standards of like, don't write after hours because like flexibility doesn't mean like, I'm just going to pick my kid up from school a couple days a week. It means my schedule is going to work at different times. I'm not going to pretend that I'm only writing to you during these hours because I'm not. And you don't have to yeah, pretend that is a dream, that right? you have to feel guilty because you're not writing me during these hours, right? right? So I think there are these ways in which these kind of myths about work are fading. That being said, I think the way, you know, saying before about culture, I think culture is a term that I think is used very, I don't want to say loosely. I think it's- I, do, I use it loosely. Yeah. Like you'll fix it, right? Yeah. Make the culture work. <laughs> and Ken Meadows, who we know from yep. Families and Work Institute, he works for Culture Amp, which is a great, great organization. But what people don't realize about culture is no strategy, no restructuring is going to work if the culture, the way people, what behavior is rewarded, how people are- you know, right. do things every day. What they're like, you know, one of the big ways in in which you could assess culture was like, what does your office look like, <laughs> right? What does the space look like? And that yeah. kind of gives you an indication if folks are walking around in jeans and hoodies, right? If we have like the Facebook culture, it would be hard to imagine Facebook, for example, as a, I mean, could say a lot of things about Facebook right now, but, you know, in like a very staid, like right. the office kind of environment, right? You, you can't yep. deliver the kind of innovation that you need if you're sort of in a culture that is very rote and kind of bland. Right? Oh, when you walk into some corporate offices and it's so silent, it's, you know, and I just, oh, I can't, t- I need it in the middle, man. I can't take the open hoodie, you know, sitting shoulder by shoulder. I don't like that. And I don't like the staid, super corporate campus look either. Right. I want flexibility in my, yeah. my workplace too. <laughs> right. And I think the thing is, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what Twitter, I had never been to Twitter offices, but, but, you know, Twitter's going all remote for good. It'll be interesting to see how their culture transfers over. But I think what a lot of companies and leaders are figuring out, in addition to what's my new strategy, is what's my culture going to look like? And yeah. how do I reinforce that so that everyone feels like they're part of something, not in millions of different places, part of nothing. Yep. So I think I think that's going to be one of the challenges that is, you know, in some ways is going to seem secondary to leaders, but is going to be pretty essential in terms of being able to, to you know, to maintain engagement if people are not going to see each other for a while. 
right? Well, and, and I think the other part of that culture thing is that thing that you're an expert in, you know, workplace <laughs> strategy, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I completely dismiss it. Sorry about that. But is, I don't know if penalize is the word, but like hold people accountable if they break the culture, the policies. That's where I have witnessed the falling down. You know, we're going to make a great policy around X and then we don't want to touch someone who's leading a division that makes money for us who doesn't like the policy. And so we just, and I'm not, and I'm talking mostly about like flexible work. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have been in situations where I've, you know, where the flex work policy was, was unveiled and there was like the whole proposal process was in the, you know, the intranet site, whatever. And then still, like, leadership was sort of, like, roaming the halls on Fridays trying to make sure, (laughs) like, trying to figure out why no one was there. So I think, you know, I think that it's something that, that we definitely have to align. I think at this point, you know, you have to align kind of to be sure that you are practicing what you preach and recognizing that people are doing this work from home. But I think it's tricky for people to figure it out. One of the things that I've been talking to to folks about is, interestingly enough, like in addition to talking about remote work, we're also talking about inclusion and diversity, inclusion, belonging and equity. And we're talking about like, there's a great article that we're going to cite too about on that topic specifically from HBR. But I think what's interesting is thinking about, so we are talking about what it's like to, we're talking, there's this convergence of talk about organizational flexible work culture and diversity. And I think one of the things that we're realizing is we're sort of revisiting how we show up with each other, how we approach conversations with each other in a way where folks, you know, whether regardless of their style within any particular work team can communicate and feel comfortable communicating what they're experiencing without reading the verbal cues or sharing the verbal cue, the non-verbal cues. Oh, yeah. So that's, Is that employee voice, the concept of feeling that you have a sense of security, that you can say something's wrong? Yeah. I mean, employee voice is one way of saying it. I think more often we talk about the concept of employee engagement, right? Like how how tied in are they to what's happening? You know, how or engagement, the opposite of which being presenteeism. So like just sitting there and just kind of like, I'm here, I'm working, I'm trying to do this. And so I think it's something that I think we try to address kind of in an ad hoc way. And I think that this is something that's going to be the focus. And I I don't want to say the future of work because one of the things I saw this written somewhere and I really liked it that we're, we don't know what the future of work is. We know what the now of work is. We don't know when, if we're going back to offices anytime soon. And once we get back, by the way, it's not going to look exactly the same way as it did. Not only is it going to be like temperature checking and masks and whatever, whenever that happens. But but like also, it's not like you just fall right back into a routine yeah, after, right? you know, almost however many months out of the workforce, you know, out of the work they offer. Yeah. Right. So I think we are going to have to redefine what it means to work together in a whole new way. I think beyond what we understood as flexible work and Zoom calls, like all of those things, I think we're going to continue to step up these kind of culture building, culture defining activities. And it's accessibility. I I feel like it's silly, but our parent teacher conferences for our kids' schools, now they're all online and virtual. And I think, yeah, why did we have to go to the schools 
for this? Or can you do a combo or something? I don't know. It, it's I'm way more engaged in what's happening with the parent association because it's virtual and events are that way and, and the like. And like there's going to be some of this stuff where we're going to claw back some of what we had, but we're going to probably try to keep some of what we've gained in terms of flexibility and accessibility that we can be other places within our own home, as exhausting as that is. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the terms that's actually that I saw in some of this 2014 research that is not used as much, but when you were talking about the PTA stuff, it it reminded me of it, is organizational citizenship behavior, right? So like feeling like you have a role, you play a part in, in the organization in terms of belonging that's sort of different than you know, I'm here, I'm part of this. It's like, how am I helping to define the culture? How am I? I think that's a really interesting question for us is what is organizational citizenship behavior look like in this day and age? Yeah. Are we able to see what that means, not just for us individually, but what does citizenship mean at our organization? Right. And a large part of that, it's always going to be, hopefully, it's always going to be flexible work. I always come back to it because I, I just think putting autonomy in the hands of your employees is always a good thing. Yeah, I, just, I agree. I, I, you know, I'd rather be proven wrong. Every, that's that's going to be my opening gambit is that is a good thing. Even on the floors of factories, places where you have to be together, there's been great stories about team scheduling. You let the team work it out and who's covering shifts and, and backing each other up and supporting each other. Like there are, are just I guess my point is that flexibility comes in many shades. So I hope on National Flex Day, I would love, I put it out there, hashtag National Flex. It's going to look a lot different this year than it has the past seven other times. So put it out there, share your photos of, you know, what life looks like now in your new flexible work utopia. And thank you for joining us on The Breadwinners. You will find links to what we discussed today in the episode description wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit us anytime at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com to ask a question, offer feedback, or share your story. How you making it work? I know it's about flex. We'd love to know. (laughs) Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. It helps us grow. It helps us spread the word and understand what means the most to you. So let us know what you think about us, about each of us, (laughs) about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.